Well, I got good news for you guys this morning. Do you guys like good news? Yes. All right. Wouldn't it be mean if I told you I had good news and then I didn't tell you what the good news was? Wouldn't that be brutal? Isn't that, isn't that a problem sometimes? Like, good news is like when somebody's going to have a baby. That's exciting news. You want that, you hear the good news that the baby's been born, and you hear they're going to the hospital, you know that, that, that something's going to happen, and then you're just like stalking Facebook waiting for that announcement. Anybody ever been there before? You're like checking your text. Like, why isn't my friend letting me know? You're like starting to get concerned. What could have happened? And then they let you know, oh, yeah, the baby was born like five hours ago. I just didn't tell you. And you're like, come on, right? Because you want to hear the good news. So I got good news. Do you guys want to hear some good news here today? Now, I know what some of you guys are thinking. You're thinking, oh, yeah, the good news that's in the Bible. That's the good news that you're going to tell us. Well, yeah, that's the good news I'm going to tell you. But then also I have other good news as well that I'm excited to share with you. So grab your Bible and go to Luke chapter 2 with me and let's remind ourselves or maybe some of us learn for the first time what Christmas is all about. It is about good news of great joy that is for all people and when you've got good news there's one thing you're supposed to do is you're supposed to share good news. You should never be silent when you've got something good to say and so we want to see the announcement of this good news And we want to learn from this passage in Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 8. You can just picture Linus up here with his blanket reading this. Maybe you've heard it before um, on Charlie Brown Christmas. But look at Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Hopefully you can see your Bible there. Follow along with me as I read our text for today. It says, and in the same region, there were some shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. Now we want to look at this story not just as the Christmas story, but as events that actually happened in history in God's story of the unfolding of the world. And the story here is that some shepherds were out just doing what they normally do in the field when all of a sudden an angel came to them. Now I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear the word angel or you think about seeing an angel, um, but this is an amazing thing. It is, uh, it is actually kind of even a terrifying thing to see an angel. Now, if we could read this passage in the Greek language, the original language that the Bible was written in here in the New Testament, in the Gospel of Luke, we would see that the word angel and the word that it's going to give us for good news are almost the same word. The word angel is going to be angelos, that kind of, in in English, the A-N-G-E-L, that's kind of the center of that word. And then the word for good news is euangelion. So it has the word angel in it. 
And so really, the main way you should think of as an angel is that they are a messenger. An angel is someone who brings news. And so we might think of fat, cute babies with arrows shooting them. I don't, or, or maybe, I don't know exactly what you think of. We'll get back to what an angel might look like. But, but turn with me to Luke chapter 7. You're in Luke chapter 2. Anybody, maybe even the kids, if they've got a Bible open, can just flick a few pages over to Luke chapter 7. Let me just show you a couple other passages where the word angel is translated. Uh, um, And you'll notice a little bit of a difference here. If you look at Luke 7, verse 24, look at that verse with me. Luke 7, verse 24. It says, when John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. Now, you might read that verse and think, there's no angel in there. There's no heavenly being coming down from God in, in there radiating light. Well, when it says, when John's messengers, guess what word is there? An angel. See, an angel, the primary thing that you should think about an angel doing, we, ma- we naturally go to this heavenly being coming down from God to man. But really, in the Greek language, a lot of times the word is just used as someone bringing a message. Look one more passage, chapter 9, verse 52. Just a few more chapters over. So this same word for angel, it's clearly referring to a heavenly being in our passage, but sometimes it just refers to ordinary people bringing a message. And in Luke chapter 9, verse 52, it reads like this. And Jesus now sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. I don't think this is Jesus sending out angels ahead of him. He's just sending some people out ahead to spread the word that he is coming. So when you hear about an angel in the Bible, I want you to think two different things. One is I want you to think, if you're taking notes, you could write this down, an angel is a messenger. And we sometimes might get distracted about the angel And what does the angel look like and all the cool stuff going on there. But really the emphasis is always what does the angel say. In fact, if you read through the scripture, it never really physically even attempts to describe some of these angels, at least not here in the Gospel of Luke. Go back to chapter 2. It doesn't give you a uh, visual description of what an angel looks like. But I don't think an angel looks like what we normally expect. So one thing is an angel is a messenger. And in verse 9, it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. Okay, now I was reading the Christmas story. Uh, as, as a dad, I try to read the Bible with my kids. And this is, a, this is the kids' Bible we use at my house. I like this one. I've recommended it to the dads here at our church because this one's got over 1,800 pictures in it. All right, so... Uh, Do kids like pictures? Kids definitely do like pictures. And so I like it because it's got a bunch of pictures on the page. And so I sat down with my two-year-old son, Jack, and we started reading the Christmas story of Jesus being born. And I'm trying to help him get what Christmas is all about because I'm not sure he quite remembers it from last year. You know what I mean? And so I'm kind of reintroducing him to this whole concept of Christmas. And immediately when we show the Christmas story, Who does he point to right away? Who gets his attention? Well, there's this guy who looks ridiculously tan with long, flowing, golden hair, right? I mean, that's who he refers to. He's like, who's that? That's that's what he says. Who's this guy? 
It's basically like Fabio just showed up. It's kind of what it looks like. Open any children's Bible and you'll realize, wow, Fabio's making a guest appearance in this kid's Bible. The long white robe, kind of chiseled features, very tanned, like they've been tanned by the glory of God itself. This golden hair and then them saying, I can't believe it's not butter. You know, I mean, that's basically what, what the angel looks like, okay? So basically, next time you're reading the kid's Christmas story to your kid, you just need to correct. When, when you get to that picture, that's not what an angel looks like, okay? Angels do not equal Fabio. Because when I see Fabio, I feel many things. But the main thing that I do not feel, I, I do not feel is great fear, okay? I mean, if Fabio showed up right now, I might be a little intimidated. But, but great fear, this picture, Jack's like, who that? He's not like, whoa, that's scary, right? He's not like, whoa, bad guy. Whoa, freaking me out. That's what happens every time somebody sees an angel in the Bible, okay? So if one thing we want to think about an angel is they're a messenger, second thing we want to think is angels are scary. Maybe you could write that down if you're taking notes. Even the kids could probably write that down. Angels are scary. If we saw an angel, first way that we would respond is we would freak out, okay? And it says that they were filled with great fear, which in the Greek is awesome because it says mega fear. That, that's, that's literally what it, They got mega fear going on when they see this angel. And it's not just an angel. It might have been the angel Gabriel who's already appeared to a couple of people in this uh, uh, gospel. Look back at Luke chapter 1. So angels have been showing up all of a sudden. Remember, before we get to the New Testament, there's about 400 years between the end of the Old Testament and the New Testament. So there wasn't a lot of revelation from God. There wasn't angels showing up. But now they're starting to. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 12, or actually start with me in verse 11, Luke 1 verse 11, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And this guy, Zechariah, who's there in the temple, was troubled. Zechariah, this old mature man, was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. It seized him. Here's Zechariah, he's in the temple doing the Lord's work, and when he sees an angel... He is afraid. Scoot on over in your, with your eyeballs here to verse 29 where Mary now sees an angel. And the angel came and said to her, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. What's Mary's response? Sounds like a good message. The Lord is with you. But look at how Mary responds, verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. This is not one of those moments where Mary's just treasuring up everything in her heart. This is a moment where Mary is troubled. Whoa, who is that and why are they talking to me? See, we let the angels steal the show. Okay? This isn't about angels. Angels are representatives from God's presence. Go back to Luke chapter 2. And it says that when the angel of the Lord appeared to them, here's even more important than that, the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, this is an amazing thing. 
if you know that the glory of the Lord, that was something that was sometimes seen by God's people, maybe in the tabernacle or the temple back in the Old Testament, but the glory of the Lord had departed from the temple long ago. The glory of the Lord had not been on planet earth for some time. And now, to a few shepherds out in the field, the glory of God Almighty shines upon them. They were barely noticing the angel was there. They were overwhelmed by the glory of God. We need to make sure that we have, coming into Christmas time, a high view of God. Even the beings that he sends out to carry his messages would freak us out if we could see them. If we ever had a glimpse of the glory of God, we might say what Isaiah said in Isaiah 6 when he said, Woe is me, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. We might respond like the Apostle John does when he sees Jesus Christ and all of his glory in Revelation chapter 1. He falls down like a dead man. We need to make sure that we see that the good news comes from a very sacred and holy place. A place that none of us have ever been or ever seen. It comes straight from the glory of God himself. Let's get that down for point number one. Good news. The good news is a message from God. If you're taking notes, point number one. The good news is a message from God. Don't let the messenger distract you. Hopefully like a, a, a bad pastor might get in the way of his own sermon. When he should be preaching the word, he might make the sermon about himself. Well, we don't make this story about the angels that are showing up. They're just there to represent, to bring a message. And the message is straight from God himself. And that should strike a great fear into our hearts to think about a God who reigns in holiness, in heaven, uh, in a place that we've never been, and quite honestly, where we don't belong. God is so much different than us. He is perfect. The splendor of his glory is more than we can handle. We don't belong in his presence. And that's what these shepherds are getting a glimpse of. That's why they have mega fear. And so we need to make sure as we think about Christmas, where we're going to see the beautiful picture of Jesus as a baby in a manger, that God would humble himself and become a man. We need to still see God for who he is. He would cause us all to be afraid if we could see him here today, just like these shepherds were when they had this great privilege to see God in all of his glory. Uh, and the angel then says to them here, I, I behold, I bring you this good news of great joy that will be for all the people. But before we get to the good news, let's back it up. We've got these angels showing up, visions, I mean, heavenly beings giving us a vision of God's glory. But they come to shepherds. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Why do they come to shepherds? Shepherds are a common character in the Bible. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. Even God will refer to himself as the good shepherd, both, the, both in the Old Testament and Jesus does in the New Testament. But shepherds aren't really anybody special. I mean, I think in our culture, this is kind of like saying, and one night as they were cleaning up, an angel appeared to three Starbucks baristas. I mean, that's kind of what this is like. I mean, these are just ordinary people. This, the shepherds here, there's nobody special. I mean, I read something really cool this week where they were like, if the shepherds were in the same region, if the shepherds were in this area around Jerusalem, they might have actually been shepherding some, some animals that might have been used for sacrifice in the temple. So they might be coming to shepherds who are watching like lambs and animals who are going to be sacrificed to uh 
as kind of a symbol of, hey, the real sacrifice is coming. I read that, and I thought that, was, that could be really interesting. But these shepherds were just ordinary guys. And so we have an extraordinary message coming from a holy place way beyond anything that we could see or imagine. But it comes down to the most ordinary people. I mean, just, just the, the casual people that you would meet on the street, your next door neighbor. That's who you should think these shepherds are. And why did the glory of God appear to these guys? Because these are the kind of people that, that the good news comes to. It's the kind of news for all people, not just church people, not just religious people, not just rich people. No, the good news is for people like you, for people like me. The good news is for everybody. In fact, as the gospel of Luke is going to go on, it's going to make it very clear uh, that the, what kind of person the good news is for. Turn over to chapter 4. Look at this with me, everybody. I'm trying to keep us turning here, mostly in the gospel of Luke, so everybody can follow along. Look at Luke chapter 4, verse 17. This is a fast forward now to where Jesus is, is a man, and he's going to start teaching and he's at the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he's going to read some scripture. Look at Luke 4, verse 17. Follow along. It says, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written. So he starts to read here Isaiah 61, verses 1, and then a little bit into verse 2. And it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus rolled up the scroll of Isaiah and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of everyone were fixed on him. What's he going to say? And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He says, here's, here's who the good news, notice that word there, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, He anointed me, and I'm here to tell you the good news, the good news that starts with the birth of Jesus, and here's who it's for. He says, it's for the poor, it's for the captives, it's for the blind, it's for the oppressed. That's who the good news is for. See, good news is only going to be good to you if you realize how much you need it. I tell a lot of people these days, hey, I got good news for you. I'm one of those people that still says Merry Christmas. You know those people? We haven't given in to Happy Holidays. We're still holding strong. And, and do I have any more of those people here? Right? I still want to talk about Jesus on Christmas. And so I tell people, well, I got good news for you. Jesus Christ, the Savior, was born. And you know what the average American, the average Orange County person looks at me like? They look at me like, why do I need a Savior? I mean, look at where we're at today. Bella Terra, you know what I mean? This is kind of a nice spot. We live in kind of a nice place. You want to go to the beach after this, right? Want to stick around and see a movie? I mean, we're kind of a privileged people here in Orange County. And so I say, hey, good news. There's a Savior that's been born. People are looking at me like, why do I need saving? We don't have too many poor people around here. Too many people that are oppressed. Too many people that, that think they're blind, that they're captives. Now people think this is the land of the free. I, I'm seeing the world pretty clearly. I'm actually pretty rich. I actually kind of have everything I, I need. I'm not worried about where my next meal's coming from or where my, my money this month is coming from. I'm doing okay. That's, there's a lot of that attitude around here. And we've got to humble ourselves and realize, did Jesus come to call the righteous people? 
Did Jesus come to call those who can see? No, he came to call what kind of people? Sinners. That's who he came for. Go to Luke chapter 19. Go to Luke chapter 19, and I want you to see how this continues to unfold throughout the gospel. It's good news. It's for all people. Well, actually, it's for people who are poor, blind, oppressed, uh, people, people who really need some help. In fact, it's for guys like Zacchaeus. Anybody ever heard of Zacchaeus before? Maybe you've even sung a song about Zacchaeus. When I was a kid growing up going to church, we used to have a lot of cheese ball songs that we would sing. And one of them was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Anybody know this song with me? Zacchaeus. Sing it with me. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Let's just stop right there. How mean is that? I have never met any dude, any man that wants to be called wee or little. And we teach this kind of bullying to children at church. You could see why we've stopped singing this song here, right? I mean, this guy, this guy, he was a bad dude. Let's, let's get an introduction to him here in Luke chapter 19. Look at verse 1 with me here. It says that Jesus entered Jericho, and he was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Okay, equal, he was a terrible person. That's what that meant right there. I mean, if you, first of all, tax collectors are not really anybody's favorite occupation, right? Let's, let's take a survey of the, the kindergartners through sixth grade. What do you want to be when you grow up, kid? Nobody's saying IRS. That's me. That's what I want to do, right? I'm, now, we might have some tax people here, and that's an important thing. You know, we got we to gotta render to Caesar things that are Caesar's. Can I get amen from anybody? Amen. But they're nobody's favorite, favorite occupation, especially not in this time. Because in this time, they were taking money from the Jews, and they were giving money to who? The Romans, the, the people who were oppressing them, the people who had taken them over. They were traitors. You read tax collector in the New Testament, here's what you should be thinking. Traitor, turncoat, somebody who's helping the enemy. They're take, not only are they probably taking from the poor to give to the rich, but they're taking from the Jews to give to the Romans so they can keep on oppressing us. You read tax collector in the Bible, that's like one of the worst insults you could give to somebody. And he was rich, which really means he probably took more than he was supposed to. He was ripping people off. He was a, he was a crook. I see, I see Zacchaeus as the wee little like mob boss with the big henchman walking around, making sure everybody gives him extra money. That's how I see him. He was making sure people were giving him more than what they really owed. And so you got to see that he's the bad guy. In verse 3, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. Zacchaeus wants to see this guy Jesus, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. Now let me just say that's a really nice way to say it. No, take example from the Bible here. Stop making fun of short people. Can I get an amen from all the short people here in the room? All right. Here's a biblical way to refer to our people. Small in stature. Could you guys hear that all the way down there? Okay. Say that for the short people. Got, yeah, got one of those in there, all right? Yeah. Take, take an example from the, from the Bible here. Small. I like that. It's just so friendly. It's just so loving. Small in stature. Okay. Verse 4. So he ran on ahead, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, for that he was about to pass that way. And, and now, at this point, you think that Zacchaeus is coming to seek Jesus, but here's the plot twist. When Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, 
for I must stay at your house today. We realize that Jesus is actually coming to look for Zacchaeus specifically and invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. Now, this is not a good move in the eyes of uh, the people that are watching. Verse, verse 6, so he hurried and came down, and Zacchaeus is pumped up. He received him joyfully. But when they saw it, the crowd, they all grumbled. Well, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner, who is the bad guy. Why is Jesus, if he's the righteous one, why is he hanging out with a sinner? Well, here's, here's the answer. Uh, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, look at this, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. <coughs> and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also now is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man, that's how Jesus referred to himself, for, for I basically came to seek and to save. What kind of people does he say there? The lost. So you can't be found by Jesus Christ unless you're ready to admit that you are one of the lost people. So point number two, let's put it down like this. Good news is for sinners like us. The good news, well, point number one, it's a message from God. Point number two, the good news is for sinners like us. And you got to see yourself in, in, in Zacchaeus. You got to see that you are one of the sinners and you need Jesus to come to you. And the repentance, the repentance is when you turn from sin. Repentance is when you admit, you confess, you agree with God that what you have done is wrong before him. That he is holy in heaven, he is other than us, he is perfect in all of his splendor and glory, and we have fallen short. All of us are we little people compared to the glory of God. All of us have fallen short. We are all short people compared to the standard of the glory of God. None of us could ever live up to who God expects us to be. And so we have all fallen short. And when we own up to that, when we confess that, see, that's, that's confessing our sin. And what the Bible says is repent. You turn from your sin. You leave your sin behind and you start going in the other direction now. You go start going, stop going away from God and you start to go towards God. And the repentance of Zacchaeus here is amazing. He's a rich man and he says, right now, I'm going to give half of everything I have to the poor. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, the people that are out mocking him, can you imagine what the people were saying to each other as the, the wee little tax collector climbs up a tree and then like gets down off the tree? Have you seen grown men climbing trees lately? I mean, they were making fun of this guy. And now he knows people don't like him. He knows he's nobody's friend. And now what is he saying? I'm going to give half of my riches to my enemies, to people who don't have anything. I'm going to go and give it away to them. And then he says, if I've wronged anyone, if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold, four times. So I charged you 250 extra dollars on your taxes last year. Now I'm going to show up at your house and admit that I wronged you and give you $1,000 back. This is repentance right here. This is a radical turnaround of someone who sees how they were falling short of the standard. He, I mean, Zacchaeus here, he knows how he was taking this money was wrong, and he turns from it in a powerful and dramatic way so that Jesus says, this is what salvation looks like. It looks like a changed life. 
It looks like someone admitting that they are a sinner and coming into the presence of a holy God and then leaving a different person. That's what salvation looks like. In fact, Jesus uses this moment to announce to everybody, all of this crowd of people who were like, why is Jesus hanging out with that guy? He gives them the reason here. Here's the reason for the season. Here's why Jesus came, to save those kind of people. That's why he came. To save people like me and people like you. Ordinary people like shepherds. Man, has Jesus Christ saved you? Do you really, are you really going to celebrate Christmas this year? It comes around every December, but we've got people who have been alive for a long time and never once have you really celebrated Christmas. Here's what celebrating Christmas looks like. Confessing your sin and becoming a new person in Jesus Christ. That's what it means to celebrate Christmas. You have to be one of the lost people to be found. And Jesus, the idea here of he came to seek and save, that word for save is the same word for Savior that's given in our passage. Go back to Luke chapter 2. Turn back there with me. Because the good news, let's finally get to it. The good news here is something that goes from mega fear to mega joy. That's how you know that you're really celebrating Christmas. Because the mega fear of having your sin before a holy God and realizing that you fall short of His standard when you meet Jesus Christ, that mega fear is turned into mega joy when you know that you have been saved. And and look at it here. When we finally get to the good news, the angel has to say, hey, stop freaking out because that's what happens when an angel shows up. And he says, look at this. Check this out. I bring you good news. Basically, I'm doing what an angel does. I'm delivering the news. But this is good news of mega joy. It goes from mega fear to mega joy. And it's for all the people. People like Zacchaeus. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. First name. It's going to give us three names. And none of them say Jesus. But we know that's who it's talking about. And it's going to call him a savior. And it's going to call him Christ, and it's going to call him Lord. And and let's just focus right now on Savior. You know what it means? It means rescuer is what it means. It means deliverer. It means that you were drowning, and he swam out there and got you out of that riptide. It means you were in the house that was burning down, and he ran in and pulled you out. It means you were going to be judged by a holy God for your sin, and he took the judgment for you. He rescued you saved you. That's what we're here to celebrate. That's what Christmas, hey, there's been born a Savior. You know, an angel came to Joseph earlier, and he said, hey, you're going to name him Jesus. Do you know what the name Jesus means? He says, you're going to name him Jesus because he's going to save people from their sins. Jesus, the name means, when you hear Jesus, what you should think is, that means Savior. That's who he is. That's what he did. He came on a search and rescue mission, like you were lost out there. You were like a kid who couldn't find their parents in Costco. Can you imagine anything more terrifying than that, my friend? Costco, right down the parking lot here. You want to talk about where America goes to worship on a Sunday? Check out Costco, my friends, right? And man, can you imagine if you were one of the children here and you couldn't find your mom and dad? Could you imagine if you were mom and you couldn't find your kid in Costco? That would be terrifying. We'd have mega fear, right? And you would go on a search and rescue mission. And when you found your kid, what would there be? Mega joy. See, that's what Jesus Christ did for you. You were lost and he came to find you. And if you've experienced the fear of seeing that you fall short of God's standard, 
That God is actually somebody that's kind of terrifying. We saw that before with this guy, Zechariah. He's going into the temple, and he's trying to do something to worship God, but then he sees an angel, and he's afraid. And the angel actually gives Zechariah some news. He says, you're going to be a dad. He gives him good news. He says, you're going to be a dad. And Zechariah questions him. He says, me, I'm pretty old. I'm not sure that I'm going to be a dad. But he says, no, you're going to be the dad. You're actually going to be the dad of John the Baptist, the guy who's going to go be a messenger to prepare the way of the Lord Jesus. And and because Zechariah doesn't believe the angel, he can't talk. He loses his ability to speak. And so he comes out of the temple, and the guy can't speak. And everybody's like, what happened? Right? And they were probably a little freaked out. What went on in there? Well, turn back to Luke chapter 1 and look at, actually, you don't have to turn far. It's probably on the same page, right? Look at what eventually Zechariah says. Eventually, he says, when the son is born, and he says his name is going to be John. And after he says that, he can speak again. In fact, look with me at verse 64. Luke 1, verse 64. It says, and immediately his mouth was opened. And his tongue loosed, and he spoke. And what does he immediately speak? Blessing God. What does that mean? Saying good things about God. See, what started with mega fear and not being able to speak ends up with this praise, with this worship. That's how you can know you've met Jesus Christ. That's how you can know you can, you're celebrating Christmas when you want to worship him, when you now have joy in him. And that's what you see here. Look, Zechariah goes on here, and, and everybody else freaks out because verse 65, fear came on all their neighbors. Wow, now he's talking. This is kind of weird. All, and people are talking about it all throughout the hill country of Judea. But look what Zechariah says. Start with me in verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the, the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, they, they prophesied in the Old Testament about this good news that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. See, now the fear is gone in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. His mega fear goes to mega praise. I mean, do you, have, do you have a heart that wants to worship Jesus Christ? Do you see how you were lost in your sin and then he came and you, and you maybe thought you were seeking out Jesus, but no, he actually wanted to invite himself over to your house. He was actually seeking out you. He came on a seek and save mission for your soul. And you go from being afraid about what's going to happen in your life, afraid of dying, afraid of maybe being judged someday by a holy God, and now what are you? You're rejoicing. You're worshiping. That's the story of Christmas. Same thing happens to Mary. Remember how Mary was, was troubled when the angel came? Well, she had a little bit better response than Zechariah, even though she was much younger. Mary, she's a great example to all young ladies everywhere. She says, I'm here to serve the Lord. She says right away, well, the Lord, whatever the Lord says, I'm ready to do. And she's a great example. And look what she says in verse 46 of Luke chapter 1. Look at how her mega fear turns into this praise. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Oh, I just want to worship him. My spirit rejoices in God my what? In God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. 
For he who is mighty, he has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Yeah, he's this transcendent God, but he's also intimately concerned about me. Look, verse 50, his mercy is for those who fear him. You know what mercy means? Mercy means you don't get what you deserve. Mercy means you step into the presence of a holy God and you realize, oh no, I don't belong here, but you don't get that judgment. You know God doesn't treat you like that. That's mercy. And Mary, she experiences that. And she not only experiences that, she says it's for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. He's exalted those who are humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And and she goes on, praising the Lord. So the good news, it comes from a holy God. It comes down to sinners like us. And then it takes us from this mega fear that we might have to this mega joy that Jesus is my Savior and I want to worship him. And man, we got good news right here, right now. Christmas isn't something that happened a long time ago. Christmas is something, isn't even something that happens on December 25th. Christmas is something that can happen right here in this room today. When you realize that you are a sinner, that you are lost, and you call out right here for God to save you, and you beg him for his mercy, wouldn't that be amazing if someone here today experienced the salvation of Jesus Christ? If someone lost was found right here, we got plenty of lost people in this theater right now. Today could be your day to experience the salvation that is in Jesus Christ. This is what he came for, to seek and to save you. He's coming after you this Christmas. Don't reject him. Don't push him away right now. If you know that God's up here and you've fallen short of his standard and you haven't gone to mega rejoicing, you haven't gone to worshiping Jesus, we sing the songs, but you're barely singing along. If you don't have a heart that wants to celebrate Jesus Christ, today could be your day. How exciting is that? That today could be the day of salvation. That's why Jesus came. For you, for your soul. And if you know that good news, man, there's been born a Savior. I mean, it's exciting when a baby's born. Man, you want to get likes on Facebook? Throw up a picture of a baby getting born. Have you seen that before? I mean, that thing's going to blow up, right? I mean, everybody loves baby pictures, right? But one baby is different than all the rest. One baby is the one who came to save you from your sins. If you believe that, if you believe that he saved you, if you have that good news, man, we got to get that good news out there. We got to start spreading that good news. We're barely afraid to say Merry Christmas to people at the checkout aisle. We should be saying a little bit more than Merry Christmas. We should be saying the whole message. Hey, I got good news of great joy for you. There's been born a Savior. His name's Jesus, and he came for you. You know somebody who needs to, who here knows somebody who needs to get saved this Christmas? Anybody know somebody who needs to get saved this Christmas? Well, let's go and tell them the good news, that they can get saved this Christmas. I mean, I don't think any angels are showing up at Bellaterra this Christmas season, all right? Maybe, maybe some people in costumes, right? But I haven't seen anybody around here that's freaking everybody out, okay? Maybe Fabio's rolling in, but I haven't seen any uh, of the real kind of angels. No, you know who the messengers are now? You know who the people are who are supposed to spread the good news? It's us. 
We're the ones that have been sent by God with the Christmas message. We're the carolers. See, We're the ones that are supposed to be so loudly rejoicing, so busy praising Jesus, that everyone has to get caught up in the Christmas cheer. Go to Romans chapter 10. This is one passage I want to turn everybody to. Romans chapter 10. Look at this. Man, maybe some people are going to get the good news for the first time here today. Maybe people will get saved this morning. How awesome would that be? But some of us, we can remember the time in our life where we went from mega fear to mega joy. And now we should be spreading that good news. And it's time for us to remember how exciting it was to be saved. How exciting it was to see our life turn around and to love Jesus and to want to read the Bible and learn more about Him and to just want to keep singing worship songs. And so Romans 10 verse 14 says it like this. Follow the logic of these questions. It says, how will they, the people out there in Huntington Beach and the cities around here that we live in, how then will they call on Him, call on Jesus, the one who saves You can see that in verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, how will they call on Him, Jesus, and whom they have not believed? They're not going to call unless they have faith in Him. And how are they to have faith in Him, to believe in Him, of whom they've never heard? Okay, and how are they going to hear without someone preaching? And how are they going to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How beautiful are those who bring the message. How beautiful. Is the messenger really beautiful? I mean, we're talking about ancient times here. They weren't smartphoning each other. They weren't even landlining each other. They weren't even Pony Expressing each other. They weren't even telegramming each other. You wanted to get a message from one place to another place, you sent one bro running. That's how you got the message, right? And in Jerusalem, it's a city on a hill. And you look out on the hill, and you see this guy, and at first it's just barely anything, and then there he is, kicking up dust, and you see this guy running across the hill, and he's still far away, but now the crowd begins to gather, because here comes the messenger, and what kind of news does he have? Now, when this guy's been running from who knows where, up hills, over, down valleys, over, over streams, through muddy parts, right? Probably stepping in animal stuff. I mean, who knows? The, the guy's feet aren't really looking beautiful at the end of this long trek, okay? He's probably stinky, and his feet are probably gross, right? What do we mean here? What's beautiful is the message that he brings. See? What's beautiful is the good news. Do you have beautiful feet? Are you ready to bring the message of Jesus this Christmas? Do you, I mean, how are they going to hear about Jesus? How are they going to hear about Jesus if we don't go and tell them? I don't really see anybody else out there telling them about Jesus Christ. I don't see, I don't see it in the movies. I don't see it on TV. I'm not really seeing a lot of other groups out there. The only, the only groups that I do see talking about Jesus are usually telling you a different version of Jesus than what the Bible says. Not a lot of people out there spreading this good news. We have to be those people. We've got to look at it like there are people who can't celebrate Christmas because they don't know what it's really all about. And that should break our hearts. How many of your neighbors, coworkers, family members are going to completely miss Christmas this season? Oh, they might have lights. They might have the tree. They might give gifts. They'll definitely take days off from work. But will they really celebrate salvation? 
Will they know the one who came to rescue their soul? Will they see a holy God who should be worshipped? Will they see that they've fallen short of the standard? How will they know unless you tell them? That's what it says right here. We need some people here with beautiful feet. And maybe when you first tell them about God and his holiness, and when you mention their sin, and then you tell them that Jesus came to save them, there might be some great fear before there's some great joy. But that's how the good news works. Who are you going to tell this Christmas season that Jesus Christ came to save not just people, but them? Go back to Isaiah, where this, this, this uh, reference of the beautiful feet comes from. It comes from Isaiah 52, verse 7. So we're going to go to the Old Testament. Hopefully everybody can find the book of Isaiah. Everybody turn there with me to the book of Isaiah. One passage I want to show you from the Old Testament, and that's a quote from Isaiah 52, 7. But I actually want to take you to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 9. Look at it with me. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 9. And this is the first time, at least in my recollection, in the book of Isaiah, where you get this idea of like a messenger on the mountain, somebody running with the good news, somebody who's got something to say. And the news they have is so big, it's so good, it's so exciting, they can't just kind of deliver it in in a normal conversation. No, when it's talking about who God is here in Isaiah 40, it says this in verse 9, it says, here's how we got to talk about God, here's how we got to spread the good news of Christmas. It says, go on up to a high mountain. This is Isaiah 40, verse 9. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. You want to be a messenger of good news? Then get on up on a high place, is what it says. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, (laughs) herald of good news. All you people who've got the the good news. Lift it up. Don't be afraid of what people are going to think. Lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, let the people know, behold, look, you're God. And if you're going to tell people about Jesus, here's how you do it. Get on up a high place where a lot of people can see you. Lift up your voice so a lot of people can hear you. And say to people, look at Jesus Christ, the Savior who came for you. This isn't a message you just whisper You don't just like pull somebody aside and think about how you can kind of discreetly get it under the radar. No, you get out your microphone, see. You get out your megaphone and you think to yourself, what's the biggest possible way I could let people know about Jesus this Christmas? What's the biggest splash I could make? What's the most noise I could make for Jesus Christ? That's the idea here. We got good news. Are you a messenger of the good news? Well, this is your prime season, Christmas time. Where his name, the Christ, is in the day? How are you going to make the most of this opportunity to spread the good news? How many angels do we have here? How many messengers of the Lord are ready to go forth and represent this Christmas season? That's why we're having this Christmas service a little bit early. You notice that, December 7th? That gives you some time. Gives you some days to figure out how you're going to make the biggest splash for Jesus Christ this Christmas, bigger than any other Christmas you've ever done. And point number three, this is what I'm trying to say, is the good news is meant to be told. I mean, we could put in for point number three, the good news is Jesus, the Savior. I mean, that, it's, the good news is, is not a what as much as it is a, a who. But we're going we're gonna to save our full, our full excitement of Luke 2, 8 to 14 for Jesus Christ for Christmas Eve. We're going to be right back here in this theater, Lord willing, on December 24th at 5 p.m. And we are going to preach Jesus Christ. And you can see we got some empty seats. We want to fill 
this auditorium, and we want to have people in here ready to hear about Jesus Christ on Christmas Eve. Maybe you can bring some people with you. we got an empty row back there we want to fill up with sinners who need to be saved by Jesus Christ on Christmas Eve. But the good news, hopefully you're feeling stirred up in your heart. It's kind of like what Jesus says when he references Matthew chapter 10 verse 27. If you just want to write down the reference, Matthew chapter 10 verse 27. He says, what I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And when you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And I'm whispering to you right now. I want you to get up on, you're going to get up on your house maybe on a sketchy ladder and put up on some lights. How about getting up on the roof and shouting out, hey, there's been born a Savior. And his name is Jesus Christ. What can you and I do to get the good news out there? There's a song I love that we sing this time of year. And and it goes like this. It's a great summary of our passage. It says, while shepherds kept their watching over silent flocks by night, Behold, throughout the heavens, there shone a holy light. And those shepherds, they feared and trembled. When lo, look at this, above the earth, rang out the angels' chorus that hailed the Savior's birth. Down in a lonely manger, the humble Christ was born. And God, he sent you salvation that blessed Christmas morn. So go, tell it on the mountain, over the hills, and everywhere. Go and tell it on the mountain. Get up on a high place, lift up your voice, and let them know Jesus Christ, he's been born. He's been born to save them. We want to go tell it up on the mountain, and God has done, I I said I got good news. Well, that's the good news of Jesus. I got more good news for our church to share with you today. You think about getting up on a high place. You think about getting up in a, in a, in a where some, everybody can hear you. Well, how, what's the best way for a church, a, just a new church like ours? What would be the best way for us to get in a place where the most people could possibly hear the message of Jesus Christ? Like a place where we could bring a lot of people, maybe not just on Sunday morning, but a place we could bring people all week long. Like if we had a building, see, wouldn't that be exciting if our church had a place like that? Like, yeah, that sounds exciting. I got good news. We've got a building, my friends. We've got a building. In fact, the ushers are going to come forward right now, and they're going to give every one of you a flyer with a a picture of our beautiful new building and the address and some things that you can be praying because starting, uh, hopefully, Lord willing, we will be moving into a building January 11th, 2015, will be our first service in a new building. This building, brace yourselves now, is 28,000 square feet. Okay, it is massive. It's got room to grow, we could say, for for a church our size. All right. That means we only have four more services at Marina High School, my friends. And then that gives us about a month, not only to invite people to our Christmas Eve service here, but a month to invite people to our new church. Yeah, very exciting time. So clearly God wants us to do a lot of talking about Jesus Christ here in Huntington Beach for him to be so good. What God did to provide this building, it is amazing. 
And we will definitely use uh, the first service on January 11th, but also many of the services. We're hoping to have some services, some open houses during the week. We're going to have our first service on January 11th. We're hoping that, that week during some of those nights to have open houses where people can come. And guess what we're going to talk about every night when people come? Jesus Christ, that's what we're going to talk about. And we're going to get as many people to come check out this building as we can so that we can preach to them, hey, we're not building our church on a building. We're building on our church on a rock, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he's the one who came to save you from your sins. That's what we're going to tell to anybody who will listen. And so this is a time for us to be excited. This is a time for us to let the world, let the community around us know that we are here. We should be walking out of here today looking for people right here in Bellaterra that we can tell what Jesus is doing here in Huntington Beach. Because he could be saving people right now in this service. He's definitely providing a place for our church to meet at this new building. So this is a good day for us here at Compass Bible Church, Huntington Beach. Uh, like Shane said, maybe the best movie we've ever seen here. Bet you won't think of a movie theater the same way again. Um, and we got a story that's better than any movie playing right now, my friends. We got to get this good news that Jesus Christ, he came to save us. So let me pray as we continue our time of worship. Please pray with me. God, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. God, you are so good. It's overwhelming to think about the good news of great joy. God, that, first of all, that you've given us in, that you would send your one and only son because you love the world that you would send him to seek and to save sinners like us, to rescue us from all of the wrong things that we are doing, to turn us around and to give us a new life in Jesus Christ, to give us this great joy that we can experience, where we can now worship you, we can now come into the presence of a holy God and give you praise. And we do that here today, God. God, stir up our hearts. You're clearly working, God, by providing a building that's so big in such a powerful way that we could start so soon. That's already got an auditorium ready to go that can fit up to 500 people. God, we just praise you for that. We worship you. And God, we pray that this Christmas we will see you save many people for Jesus Christ. God, we pray that right now people who know they're short that they are small in stature when it comes to you, that they have fallen short of your glory. God, we pray that they will cry out to you for salvation, that everyone who calls on the name of Jesus, the Savior, and confesses their sin and turns from it, that they will be saved, God. We pray that that will happen right now today. And God, all of us who have been saved, stir up our hearts. Renew that, renew that first love that we have for you. Spark that light of flame within us again, God. And let us go and tell it on the mountain. Let us tell it on the main street. Let us tell it here in Bellaterra. Let us tell it on our street. Let us tell it at our workplace, at the playground, the park down the street. That there has been born a Savior, God. Let us spread that good news. Use us. Send us out, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.